This is Care Less, Do More. Hey friends, welcome back to another episode of Care Less, Do More. On today's show, we dive deep with Janelle Yip, one of my favorite skiers to watch. Janelle makes up one third of the blondes, a crew of women who exude the best kind of energy and make me want to go skiing. From the sideline, it's been incredible to watch all three of them come up and make their mark on the ski industry in their own unique way. I'm a huge fan of all of them. Janelle has inspired me on skis from the moment I met her at Revelstoke Resort. She stomped some groundbreaking tricks in the backcountry like her flat three from Matchsticks, Huck Yeah. I was personally really impressed with her openness when talking about coming back from injury during this conversation and, well, I think the world of her, so I hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to Care Less Do More. Janelle Yip is my guest on the show today. I'm super fired up. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for having me, Michelle. Stoked to <laughs> Yes, me too. Um, all right. My first question is oftentimes in the past, I've always read out like a bio for said athlete or guest on the show. But today I'm flipping the script and I kind of want to hear from you. Who are you? <laughs> Flipping the script, I love it. Um, my name is Janelle Yip, and I am a professional skier from Calgary, Alberta, and I'm now living in BC. Where in BC have you ended up? So right now I'm in Nelson, BC, but um, I've kind of been all over um, in like small towns of BC. I'm like a little BC mutt, so I've been... <laughs> Uh, I was in Revelstoke for like six years and then um, Squamish for a winter, back to Revelstoke, back to Squamish, and now in Nelson. So dipping my toes in everywhere a little bit. I love it. I think the first time that I ever uh, was introduced to the Blondes was in Revelstoke. And I recall the day like so vividly because I was skiing around. I was with Angel and Elise and we were working on All I Can, I believe. And this must have been like six years ago almost. And you and your friends had like this epic squad of women ripping around and I kind of started tailing you. I was like, who are these? I need to meet them. You don't see this at every ski resort. And there was so like clearly this like really amazing energy coming from you all. So yeah, I tagged along and then I think I met you maybe in person on that day. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because I was thinking about that too. Like the first time, the first time I met you an Angel and I like saw you guys and I think I was riding with like Sammy and Vin so then we all like met up and then I yeah I was just so psyched to meet you guys Michelle what's up <laughs> you were so good. yeah and, and then Angel and Elise and then I think it was really funny because I was just like literally like trying to show off so hard I was like just skiing as fast as I possibly could going like <laughs> so out of control just like notice me <laughs> it was working I was taking note and I definitely recall being like Gaffney that's the future like those girls are incredible we have to like yeah that was so sick it was so fun to watch you all and then furthermore I think it was like not that long later, I ran into you randomly in the desert in Springdale, Utah. Do you remember that encounter? Yeah, I totally do too. Um, yeah, I think, yeah, I totally, okay, now that we're talking about this afterwards, I again saw you and I was like, that's Michelle Parker. And then I like just kind of stalked you into the shop you were going in. And then I was like, oh, hey. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. 
Well, I get so fired up meeting other women out there. It seems like you and Tanya and Emily have like such a rad thing going on. How did you all meet each other and start that relationship? Um, it actually, yeah, it just kind of all happened a little bit by chance. Like I moved to Revelstoke, Tanya moved to Revelstoke and Emily moved to Revelstoke all at the same time. And we were just kind of like brimming in this like insane energy of like moving to a ski town for the first time. And all the people that we met, it was kind of also their first year there. So everybody was like so fired up and we were like in our young twenties, just like so <laughs> stoked. And um, yeah, basically I was living in this house. It was like kind of a transient house, like people moved in and out all the time. And then um, my other roommate was like, cause we had a free room. It was like, there's this really hot ripping like Norwegian chick that wants to take this room. Like <laughs> I was like sick, like, well, let's get her in there. <laughs> and then um, I met Emily, she was just in the train park and we were with a mutual, I was with a mutual friend and she just skied up and she was just like, I just tried double backflips. And she was like, <laughs> so hyped. And then she skied away and I just remember her greasing it down flat down, like so smooth. And I was like, who's that girl? Like, I need to know her. <laughs> that is awesome. Yeah, it's hilarious. So we just had like all kind of the same like crazy intense energy. <laughs> Yeah. That clearly meshed super well in a, like a really beautiful, supportive way. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely turned into like, um, really fast friends and just like, um, just kind of the two best friends I was just always looking for in like, I was always like, ah, there's like, you know, where are the girls that are like exactly like me, you know, like, where are these two? And it was like, I was looking for them and they showed up in my life. <laughs> I love that so much. And you used to commute in slope style. Yeah, I did. So, um, yeah, I was in Calgary. We had the local hill that's there, Canada Olympic Park. Um, they built it for the, the 88 Olympics and it's still around. Um, it's got like a big half pipe. They have like world cups there sometimes. Um, so yeah, I, uh, I did that for like four or five years all through a little bit of junior high and high school. Uh, yeah. That's awesome. And were you at that point, was it in your mind that you wanted to become a professional skier? Yeah. Um, so I think the year I fell in love with skiing, because I had skied all when I grew up um, since I was like two um, but it was like a little bit more of just like a hobby thing for us. We would just go out on the weekends. We had a little place in Fernie, BC. And uh, before that, I was just like totally involved in like a bunch of team sports, um, played ringette, lacrosse, soccer, like everything. I was super lucky that I got to try it all. Um, and then I don't know, one Christmas, I got like gifted a like free skier magazine in my stocking. And then I was just like looking through it, reading it. And I just saw this like photo of like Wendell's and it was like that classic photo of the jump like over all those kids and I was just like I have to go to this summer camp it looks like so much fun um so then I got to go and that was kind of just when I like really fell in love with the idea of it I was like this is the coolest thing like I just really want to be a part of this and like um yeah then I had like these big dreams of like going to x games and all that and <laughs> Um, that didn't really pan out for me, but then, um, moving to Revelstoke, I was like, 
you know, I, I'm going to give myself like five years. I'm like, I think I was 19. I was like, give me some five years to like try this. And if it like doesn't work out in the way that I want and like things aren't going, then I'm going to, I'm going to like go to school and do something else. But yeah, I just thought life is short and I want to try something that I'm really psyched, psyched and passionate about. So yeah. That's awesome. And were your parents supportive in that move and like taking the five years to try it? Yeah, they're, they've always just been like incredibly supportive of me. I'm like so fortunate. They're just like, you know, obviously like uh, a lot of parents like want their kids to go to school and take the academic route and just have a safe like <laughs> career. Um, but I was always just a little bit of like a free spirit, I guess. And my brother did like the the super academic route and um, yeah, they're just like, whatever makes you happy, Janelle, like go for it. So yeah, super lucky. Same as me, my brother's the genius. And I was like, I think I'm going to take a little time for myself. <laughs> and it pays off. Yeah. <laughs> Luckily it did. Yeah, there's got to be, but there's got to be like one in the family that's taken that like nice traditional route so the parents can be like, okay, at least one is smart and the other one is really fun. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Checking the boxes. I like it. And then so you end up in Revelstoke and... I mean, you and Tanya and Emily started producing the Blondes edits, like, I would assume around that time, hey? Like, when you all came together and, and you had, like, from what I remember, and correct me if I'm wrong, you had shitty old sleds that hardly worked, and you had a beer sponsor. <laughs> yeah. Is that accurate? Pretty, pretty much, yeah. It was, like, it was, like, the first year we all met and just started skiing, like, the resort together, and... Um, we didn't have sleds yet, but we met all these American guys and they had sleds and they were like living in this like trailer in the, in the parking lot of Revelstoke. There was like four dudes in one like truck bed camper. Um, and they also had like a similar energy to us. So then we all just like hung out and had a great time and they doubled us all up into the backcountry together one day. And that was like the day that like kind of changed everything because we were like, oh my gosh, this is insane. We can just get these sleds and like go out here and ski whatever we want. This is crazy. So we got really psyched on that idea. And then <laughs> our our other friend, um, I don't know if you know Amber Nelson. But she, was, she was also part of that uh, group of people and she just like convinced us like so hard to she was like, you guys have to start a crew, you have to get sleds, and you have to do this. Like, And she would just be like, every night when we'd see her at the bar, she would just be like so passionately like convincing us, you have to, have to do this. Like, do not do anything else. So <laughs> yeah, we were super fired up and um, worked super hard. Tanya and I uh, shared a sled actually the first year. And they were yes. like, they were kind of shitty sleds, but they're like the, the 2014 like skidoos, like, the ones that are like really sturdy and last a while, so. Not as shitty as my first sled. <laughs> <laughs> so they, they uh, yeah, they got us where we needed to go and totally we were sponsored by beer. That's what we named the crew after originally was just like, let's just name ourselves after this beer because we drink it a lot and see where this goes. <laughs> That's epic. How, how did you all like garner your first sponsorships and stuff like that? Um, I would say it was through like 
we set up like a joint email account and an Instagram. We kind of got that going. And then I figured like the way to get a hold of these companies is just like Instagram them and then like just consistently like email them, like berate them with emails until they just like we're like, okay, what what do you want? And we were just like, we just want free beer. Yes. <laughs> and they're like, all right. <laughs> um, but then uh, it was actually through um, our friend in Revelstoke runs a bed and breakfast called Valley Retreat, Ryan Cronsbury. And he's like a really sweet part of the community there because he, um, he like sponsors a lot of young athletes in like biking and skiing. And he's just like so stoked on the whole scene. Um, so he was uh, our first sponsor and he like floated us with like, you know, a little bit of cash to like, you know, get a filmer one year and then um, also connected us with his contact at the North Base. Um, so that kind of got our foot in the door um, going in that direction. So, Wow. So a bed and breakfast sponsor and a beer sponsor. Are you guys still with the beer sponsor? No. Um, Damn. <laughs> I know. I know. I feel like I feel like they're going to regret that, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> um, we, we dropped the caribou uh, after a couple years because they just simply didn't give us enough um, enough product. Yeah. <laughs> they weren't providing enough beer. That's an important aspect of having a beer sponsor. What the heck? <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious Spending like a lot of like really cheap like beer merch like koozies and like hats. no way but not the beer <laughs> they sent us like a few flats but then we were like we need more and they were like no <laughs> that's amazing i love that <laughs> so rad so the North Face comes in and picks up all three of you and you're off and running. Yeah, kind of. Like we got um, we got kind of like just just outerwear at first and then um, we got a little bit of money to do like the intersections, um, the intersections project, um, which we entered a couple of years ago or how many years ago would that be now? Like five years ago. Um, so like, yeah, a little bit of funding for that and yeah, slowly kind of snowballed up from there. That's awesome. I love hearing about the way that y'all started and how you got your foot in the door because it's truly different for every professional adventure sports athlete. I think no one has the same story. Yeah, it's it's so wild. I think I think maybe ours might be the weirdest one out there. I don't know. <laughs> It's pretty great. Y'all were just persistent and you were creating content that was like so fun and pure. And I was like, oh, this is the crew I wish I always had. Like I wanted so badly to be a part of it. Yeah. And I think we were in like a really special, special time in skiing just because like um, all of like you guys, like you especially and like Angel and Elise and like Ingrid and all the epic like women that like came before us had just like you guys just set us up for this like <laughs> entry into skiing where we were just like three girls together and not like competing to be like the only one so I, mm -hmm. I definitely think like we got we we got kind of lucky just as at the time and like the place that we showed up onto the scene but it was definitely thanks to like 
all the great women that kind of like paved this out for us so Mm-hmm. Man, if there is a window into my heart right now, it is so bursting with joy and happiness. Like phew, that hits home so hard because we definitely came up under different circumstances and there was this battle to be one of one. And it wasn't necessarily against other women. It was just like, whoa, there's like only, they're only willing to showcase one person, one female. And then you would ask, you'd beg, I would beg so much to go on a trip with Ingrid and like never, that was never granted. Like. He'd be like, oh, one's enough. You're good. You could just, we'll separate you. And I'm like, no, but it'll elevate our skiing. It'll be this beautiful thing that's going to happen. You have to trust in the process. But ultimately, at the end of the day, it took us like coming together on our own and making it happen. But then to watch the wave that came after us and you guys coming up and creating this like epic vibe of camaraderie, like I think that's one of the biggest things that I notice in the younger generation is like, first of all, the confidence that y'all have to show up in this space and to do it on your own terms and in your own way and kind of reshape how the industry is, I think is incredible. And then also just like the pure support and joy and happiness that like exudes from that is like fucking all time. It's the best thing ever. It like makes me so damn happy. And I think that a lot of women are still looking for that. like. But y'all are setting an example and showing how it is. And that's so cool to me. So my hat's off to you. <laughs> well, yeah, thank you so much. And I'm and I'm so glad that like we could like sit down and chat about this because I always feel like slightly like just like a little bit of guilt on like I'm like, oh, like we we are just like we got this like we never had any like troubles like getting getting here. Like we we just like started creating content and then like I feel like the market was like so open armed for us just like they were stoked they were just like yeah and we were just like getting sponsors and things were coming at us and like i feel like i've never been able to like express my gratitude to like everybody that came before it's like it didn't just happen it's like you guys put in some really hard work and had to deal with some bullshit like so that we could like get to this spot so yeah no thanks necessary though i appreciate that so much but for me it's like oh just like watching it happen and watching it unfold is so like fills my heart and you're like oh we did like battle some uphill battles to like make this happen and that is like that was like such a big part of my driving force as an athlete for so many years was to like hope that that would happen eventually i think all stuff takes time but like can you imagine the generation coming up behind you that's gonna be insane like it's so cool to watch it hannah epstein wow like there's so many girl crews now too it's so sick yeah it's it it is exciting like i feel like it's the same like with any sport and like with all women it's just like once like that door gets cracked open and it just gets like busted down <laughs> and all these chicks just come in and they're like oh you can oh you can do that oh i can do that too like for for like mountain biking for example like i i didn't even think it was possible for like a woman to do backflip on a bike like i just didn't think that we could do that for some reason and it's like i think it's like conditioning and all that you know um you mm-hmm. only do it and then um yeah someone busts it out and then all the other girls are like yep we got this too <laughs> we're doing that too yeah mountain biking is one of the fastest progressing sport on the women's free ride side and slope style that i've ever witnessed like it's incredible it's incredible and it just it just really makes me think it's like had we not been hampered for so many years and and like prevented that access to like get into like extreme sports 
I'm like starting to question if there would even be such a gap in the progression. Cause it's like, totally. these, are, these are sports that like, aren't about like physical strength necessarily. It's like, how well can you control your own body and your own mind and like skateboarding and skiing and mountain biking. It's all kind of the same. I'm like, look at the level. Yeah, I was totally, I was thinking about that today too. Like I think so much of these extreme or adventure sports are based on your mental perspective and how you perceive yourself and your capabilities because I know that there's often times on my mountain bike where like I really don't want to get hurt for ski season, but I'll see a feature and I'll be like, I can totally visualize it. I can totally see it. But my like, yeah, the one person on one shoulder and then there's another person on the other shoulder and there's one that's like, get after it and go do it. And the, the other one's like a little bit more chill out, relax. Like <laughs> you have a ski career and yeah, but I hold myself back and I'm like, man, there's so many people that if you just unlock and you find a way to unlock that aspect of your mind and have the confidence in yourself, you have the skill set. You can do it for sure. And also I think it's like so important if you can see it, you can believe it. And so if you see another person who looks like you doing something, then it's, you can do it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so true. Um, especially like for women, I feel like when I see a guy do something, I'm, I'm not necessarily like, oh, I could do that. Like really got to see like a, a girl to send it, to put it in my frame of reference and be like, I can do it too. <laughs> yeah representation matters matters proof is yeah everything we just spoke about is proof of that so when y'all were coming up and making those short edits and stuff like there must be some old stories that are like ridiculously hilarious do you have any off the top of your mind oh gosh (laughs) just at the top of my head um cycling back to that first day that we went out snowmobiling um we found this like wind lip it's actually like our first ever blondes Instagram post, but we found this like wind lip and we just like all tried to send a backflip off of it. We all just crashed like so big, but like we were so psyched on ourselves. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, there was a bit of a huck and pray vibe for a couple of seasons there, which I really appreciated. I was like, oh, they're just really going for it with no fucks given. <laughs> just sending it. Um, yeah, off the top of my head, man, there's there's just so much that happened. And, like, it was just such an incredible time of my life. I'll just always look back and be, like, so psyched. I'm glad we, like, recorded a lot of it because it was just – it was ridiculous. I think the, the story of, like, making intersections, um, we made this edit called Blonde Highlights, and it was, like, kind of what, like, put us on, like, board and um it was alex armstrong um like messaged us and she was like you guys i signed us up for this intersections and we're like oh what okay i guess we're doing it and we didn't have a filmer organized like there was nothing we like crowdsourced a filmer (laughs) it was this really awesome guy named keenan displankes that ended up being like yes i will do this I got this guys and he made a really awesome edit I think but our um mind frame at the time was like we had never really filmed except for like a little bit between us and we're like you know what I think if we invite more girls to this 
that it's going to work out better. Like, let's bring more girls in. <laughs> so we had like 10 girls to film this intersection video. And it ended up being like so chaotic and so dramatic. <laughs> and oh, no. <laughs> it was crazy. There was tears. There was fights. Everybody wanted to be the best and like send it and like get their footage in this intersections video and like only only we had the sleds and everybody was like oh you're you're bringing us all into the backcountry right and we were like oh my gosh oh oh gosh yeah it was it was just absolutely hectic and um it's really funny to look back at it now and it's cool because there's like there's like andrea was in that like jess hotter alex armstrong like three of us and Ginny and like it's just cool to see where everybody's like ended up now after that like <laughs> absolutely hectic experience so for sure your filmer had no idea what he's getting himself into huh? <laughs> bless that guy I, he's like amazing person to be putting up with like 10 females all with like really intense energy like looking over his shoulder like editing this thing and just for him to keep like a cool calm collected state and just like get that done it's like i commend him so much <laughs> yeah that's awesome i love that so much so then you guys all started filming for matchstick how was that like intro into filming with one of the bigger ski film companies um it was it was also pretty pretty hectic as well um i think because we were new on the scene, there there wasn't like really a ton of communication um, between us and like the production company, and it was an MSP. It was it was just kind of like uh, a little bit hard to like wrap our heads around what was going on because like I guess we only got like a certain amount of budget to film, um, and I mean that should have just been like kind of transparent at the start. Um, but it wasn't for some reason and we would just be like can we go out today and it would be like mm, no I don't think so or I don't know and you'd just be like fired up like we really want to go out today it's blue like let's go and it'd be like no like it's not gonna work today ladies sorry and it was just kind of like a weird back and forth where we didn't like fully understand the full picture because we had never done it before um, right and we just needed like somebody to like lay it out and be like, look, like this is how much the company gave you to film and this is how many days you get from that. Right, <laughs> right. Yeah, there's so much going on behind the scenes that, yeah, I think that transparency is helpful just to learn and understand. Totally. And and then also we were, we were just trying to make it out there and like we had old sleds and old trucks and uh, a lot of the time it was like, breaking down and and then just straight up like not really knowing where to go like kind of exploring the zone for the first time um and a lot of time just you know going to the wrong place on the wrong day and just a bunch of bunch of that um just being totally new at it and um, yeah yeah the learning curve is steep <laughs> It's not the easiest thing to jump into, that's for sure. But I commend you all for like starting that off on your own and figuring it out and having a base to kind of jump from. Yeah, thank you. We we certainly could have used uh, a mentor at the time. <laughs> Ugh, I wish that you had called. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, because what movie was that? What movie was that for? 
That one was also weird because it was Huck Yeah, which was the which was our like debut or whatever, but it got like kind of shut down with the whole COVID thing because there was never any right. tour. I feel like nobody really saw that one too much. Um, right. So that was the first one. So it felt like really the first one was the stomping grounds, which was the next year. Um, but in Huck Yeah, in that, I'm, if I remember correctly, was that the year you did the flat three off the step down? Yeah, yeah. And you guys yeah afterwards. And then I try to yeah. sit on and knee myself in the face. And then you gave me a tampon out of your first aid kit. <laughs> yeah, for your nose, nosebleed, hot tips. That helps so much. Um, I remember that because I was filming with Tatum on her project and we knew you all were there. And then I think we showed up either bef- like right after you did that. Yeah, it was right after you did that because you had a bloody nose. Um, but you had just done that and we saw the clip and I was like, oh my God, the future is here. This is so on. This is so sick. And then I think someone else maybe accidentally inflated their airbag. And it was like a classic blondes moment of like kind of a total junk show in the scene, but also absolutely crushing it and having fun and keeping it light. I was like, that was so cool to see. It was so fun. (laughs) That was a, yeah, that was a really special day. And then I feel like we went back to civilization and then, then two days later, the world like shut down. Yep, and the wind shut the mountains down. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's true. And then Stomping Grounds, you won Best Female Athlete at the High Fives Festival for Stomping Grounds, right? Yes. Well-deserved. That was an incredible segment you put together. Thank you so much. Yeah. How was that process? When you felt a little bit more well-oiled and understood the scene a little bit more? Quick break from the show to thank our sponsor, Anon Optics. We just received our first snow here in Tahoe, and while it didn't stick around for long, it certainly got me thinking of winter. I want to make sure that you have your best experience on the mountain this year, and I've got to shout out Anon Optics for making the highest quality products, and I don't just say that because this is an ad or that they are my sponsor. They actually really, truly make the highest quality products. They have revolutionized how we change lenses and the actual technology behind the lens with more definition on flat light days, Anon's got your eyes and your sight covered. Their tech also includes magnets, which seamlessly integrate your goggles with your face mask, and the face masks are clutch out there when it's cold out. I'm also loving the way their helmets fit alongside the goggles and the overall look and feel. It's awesome. I feel good. Look good. Feel good. (laughs) Huge thanks for Anon. Oh man, right at the end there. I'm messing up. Huge thanks for Anon for supporting the show over time and bringing these conversations to you. Building the stomping grounds, um, yeah, we had like a bit, a bit more of a handle on it as to what to expect, and we had gotten to some better zones, um, and we got more mentors with us. We got um, Mark Abma came out with us, um, and then we got to go on this awesome trip to Northern Escape um, with Adrian and Mark. Um, unfortunately, Emily, Emily had a knee injury for that first half that year. And then she worked really hard and got back out there and, um, put a sweet segment together also. So that was cool to see her come back like within one year. Um, so yeah, that was huge. Yeah. It was really hard for her to miss that, um, that trip to Northern Escape too. That sucked, but, um, she came back swinging and put some sick shots down. So, um, yeah, that was awesome. And then, um, yeah, I, I was, I felt like I was just in a really good spot. 
um, mentally like that winter, like I just worked super hard on just my mental game. And I was, um, I was just kind of like, I only wanted to send stuff that I knew I would kind of land. So it kind of like went with this five, just kind of like toning it down a little bit and like taking it a little more simple. And, and then it kind of worked out for those shots. And I learned a lot was just like, um, yeah, so the shots that you can lace and like feel confident in the air and aren't too scared about are, are the shots that look great on camera. Um, yeah, because you ski differently. Totally. Um, and yeah, I feel like the year before I was just like really kind of too scared or something like that. But um, yeah, it was great. It was a great learning experience and um, coming up with that award at the end was like, yeah, it meant a lot to me. I was really stoked. <laughs> Were you present? Were you physically present when you won that award? No. So that was another um, kind of weird COVID occurrence was like, they like just sent me this text message. This guy from France was like, hey, you won this high five award. You could send like a video submission, like saying thanks, like that would be great. And I was like, for some reason, I'd never really heard about High Five Festival, so I <laughs> thought it was, I thought it was um, a scam. No way! <laughs> like so weird, and I was like, "What is this festival?" And I looked it up, and I was like, "Oh, holy shit! Okay, this is <laughs> this is something." So, um, yeah, unfortunately, it was just kind of off with the whole uh, being there present because I think the world was like just kind of coming back at that point, and still travel was really weird so this makes me want to throw you like a celebration party to relive that moment and like lift you up and be like fuck yeah in person because man that is something special but congrats on that award it was very well deserved yeah and I don't know if I'm skipping over stuff but um then you guys started filming with CK9 and you're making a movie that is debuting this fall yes um, so that was totally a two-year project. And the way that it kind of started was we got put up in a Airbnb with Simon and Clay for IF3. And they had a really awesome um, season that year with Tatum's film. And they like won all these awards for it and Tatum won Best Skier. And um, so it was a it was a pretty big party and it was really fun. Um, but what ended up happening is like, we just connected with the, these guys and we we're just like kind of similar vibe. Like we like to have fun and they like to have fun. And um, yeah, I just had a lot of heart to hearts with Simon, like at 3 a.m. just like <laughs> at Garfinkel's or whatever. <laughs> yes. And um, yeah, then he called um in the fall and he's like yeah we have some space open and we we're looking to fill and wondering if like we could do a project with you guys and yeah it was it was huge you're we really psyched that's awesome so this is a two-year project and this is not the first time that you've put on like a kind of directorial or producer hat because y'all used to make your own edits back in the day but how was that transition going from working with matchstick to kind of running your own scene it was um it was just like everything i've ever wanted to do um which has been incredible um i love matchstick um but the way 
the way that they would like edit the segments sometimes i wouldn't really i'd always be like ah oh, but you should have done it this way or this way or i would have like so many more ideas and um because there's so many people in the film and they have so many segments to do like if they were to listen to every athlete's like creative input like they would never get the film done <laughs> so <laughs> but um i yeah i would always kind of like looking for that chance to um kind of design and mold the the film how i want it so yeah that's awesome are you taking a major lead on that with like all three of you or is it all three of you equally a part of the process um no i would say i took the major lead on that one um uh simon and i built the pitch together um and i designed the the whole pitch deck and then we sent it out to sponsors and then um him and i were kind of like pitching together um so yeah it was a really cool opportunity to to learn a lot of that like official process um because i had previously sent out some pitches um before then um but they were like pretty amateur and i don't think they looked twice at it but it was nice having like you know someone to kind of like mentor me through like designing it to how the company would say yes to the totally such a huge aspect of it that's incredible and you are right now in the ck9 studio finishing off with deliverables and crossing your t's and dotting your eyes <laughs> yeah exactly um uh yeah i just kept kept working with them i guess like when two years ago when i made that pitch i wasn't working for them um but yeah in the summer they they were making a they're making a wildfire documentary and they needed people that had like wildfire experience and um, to, to go out and film, um, which is what I had. And um, so they just kind of taught me um, how to use the camera. And then they had like so much extra editing work. So they just hired me in the office as well. So they just, they can't no away. <laughs> so now you're an employee. That's incredible. Talk about your wildfire fire experience. Um, so it was around the time I moved to Revelstoke and, um, it's just a big thing there. There's like 60 wild firefighters there. There's a huge base and my roommates did it. Um, the landlord of the house I lived in was the crew supervisor of the, of the, um, of the unit crew. So, um, I was just like, this seems like an awesome time, a great way to make money. And it was a, it was a nice balance between I could ski all winter and just work really hard all summer. Um, and that was just the way I rolled for like four years. <laughs> four years while pursuing the professional skiing and all of that. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. It, it was like every year around May, I would just drop skiing and just go straight into fire and do it all summer and kind of just not really have like, not really have a summer at all, just working, yeah. Yeah, and then the tables turned for the first time this summer or was it earlier than that? Um, well, I got I got a bad injury, uh, not this past season, but the season before. Um, so I ended up taking that summer off of wildfire just to really heal my nervous system fully and and take time to just recollect um and then i went into this winter and then this next summer i was planning on going back to wildfire but then i got this job opportunity from ck9 and i thought 
you know, what a fun, what a fun experience and cool way to learn something new. So. Yeah. Learn something new that's super applicable to your current job too, as a skier. That's awesome. Um, I'm so like intrigued by the wildfire fighting aspect of that. And so you went through training and I'm assuming it's a really physical and also mental job as well. It is so intense. Yeah. It like the training for it is like the most rigorous job application process I've ever been a part of. It's like an interview and a fitness and a fitness test. No, sorry. It's a fitness test. And then if you do well in the fitness test, then it's an interview. And if you pass the interview, you go to a 10 day unpaid boot camp, which is very military esque. <laughs> and then, I mean, everybody gets past the boot camp process, but they tell you that you might not get a job after that and to work really hard during the boot camp. Wow. So, yeah, it's like, it's such a crazy process. Um, and yeah, it's definitely a really rigorous job as well. It's like 14 days. Um, straight when you get deployed 14 days on 12 plus hours a day and then um, three days off and then another 14 days so when the fire season is picking up you could get like three or four of that like work cycle in a row which is just incredibly exhausting in like every way <laughs> yeah yeah big time do you think that any of the things that you learned from that were applicable to skiing at all yeah, 100%. Um, I'm really glad that I did wildfire. It it honestly like changed my life and just like grew this like resiliency and like grit and endurance in me that um, I don't think would have ever been pulled out if not for like being pushed so hard in that direction. I think it made me like overall just a better athlete. Um, just to, like, just to have somebody like in the way that they do, just like yelling down your neck, just like go harder. Like you have so much left in the tank, like push it, push it. I feel like that's pretty rare. Like not a lot of people get into that um, scenario physically where they're just like being forced to go to their maximum capacity. Um, so I feel like I broke through this like barrier, like with my athleticism where I, like, I knew I could like get to that next level and um, yeah, I have wildfire to think for that for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel similarly about self-induced suffering on long trips when you're like grinding it out and you're like, I actually have to get there because if I don't get there, I'm going to sleep on the side of the road or whatever it is. Yeah, it's fascinating. Those moments really build your character. Yeah, 100%. And they like put your body into this like survival mode and you're capable yeah. of so much more than you would think. <laughs> How is the training, like the training process you said being like a boot camp, is that how it is while you're on fighting the fires as well? Like it's that physical, it's that mental, it's that challenging? At times, yes. Um, and at times, no. Like you you go through like just waves of, um, okay, right now we have this task. We got to do this and we do it really hard so everybody just like works their ass off for as long as it takes to get it done and then it's done and then there's there's so many periods where you're just like you're sitting in the truck for eight hours because the fire is too big and there's nothing you can do on the ground so you're just sitting there and waiting playing games having fun <laughs> um, mm -hmm. um so it's not 
it's not like complete there are parts that are like very physically demanding for sure um but it's not full that all the time if that makes sense yeah yeah um and and i read that that injury you had was quite traumatic is that so yeah definitely um that was that was really tough um for me uh it was like the first year of filming for our movie with ck9 and i was just like definitely on one after winning that award um and i just like and also i was just i had gone into the production space so like knew how much like money we were getting for this and i knew exactly where all of the budget was allocated and I feel like that was also kind of another pressure that I put on myself was to like do the best I could with like the money we were given and I knew how much everybody was getting paid and I knew how much was going into that day. So I just like always wanted to like make the most of it. And um, yeah, and then I just, I pushed too hard and um, I had a really bad crash. Need yourself in the face, huh? Yeah, it was like, it was like a it was a road gap that we built and it was it was just one of those days that um it was like gray bird the snow was mediocre um and i just wanted to make something out of nothing kind of a day um and we built this little jump and i i kind of had this feeling like beforehand i was like i don't think this jumps like big enough and um I said that to like Emily and Aaron who were like helping me build the jump and everyone's kind of like, no, no, it's good. Like, it's definitely big enough. It definitely have enough speed. And I was like, I don't know. Like, I just don't really feel like it does. Um, and then everybody was like, was really sure that it did for some reason. And um, yeah, I feel like obviously hindsight's twenty twenty. Um, I definitely learned a lot from that um, just to like kind of put my foot down and be like, no, I know that this jump isn't gonna get me to make it over that road gap. Um, and it didn't, and I landed like a foot or two short of the like transition. And yeah, I just kneed myself really hard in the face and broke my orbital bone, which is the bone that holds your eye, eye in place. Mm. Sounds incredibly painful. I think that's so interesting. Like every knee injury I've ever had, I've had that intuitive sense beforehand. And every single time I've also spoken up about it, but not to people that listened or like heard me out, I guess. And like, and then they convinced me otherwise. And then I went into the thing and it was, yeah, injury. Injury. Yeah. And every time though, I will say Janelle, every single time I'm like, I'm not going to do that again. I'm going to listen to myself. And like, so keep listening to yourself, please. Cause it keeps happening to me. <laughs> and you know what? It is, it is just so hard to listen to yourself too. Like, cause yeah, it's like, it's like you really have to just like meditate so much and like find out like what that voice sounds like the, the real one there's all these other voices that are like these other pressures of like no you're better than that you can do that and all these little things that come in but I feel like there's that one kind of voice that is kind of all-knowing that's like this isn't it <laughs> yeah yeah I love that we're getting little insight into your mental game so how was the process of coming back from that injury did you get knocked out too I might have got knocked out for like a couple seconds um but i came to 
pretty fast. Um, the clip of the crash is in the film. Um, yeah, coming back from that was super hard because um, I got also just a really bad concussion from it. Um, and the bone of my orbital um, healed up uh, in like six weeks. And I had it in my head that I was like, I'm going to be fine after my orbital heals. Like, I'm going to be good. Like, I'm going to get back out there. I'm going to finish the season. Um, but I was just like, I was just so concussed that like, <laughs> I didn't even know. I was in such a state. It was, it was, it, yeah, it was crazy. I, I, I seriously thought I was coming back. And I remember like being on a FaceTime with like Scott and Simon. And I was like, my face was all puffy. And I was like, I'm coming back. And they were like, I don't think so, but okay. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I ended up being concussed for like, I think five months. Wow. Yeah. yeah. It was a, it was, it was incredibly hard. It was definitely hit some pretty low points for me. Um, just like, just a concussion injury is just so hard to deal with. I don't know if you've ever had one probably, right? No. Yeah. <laughs> it's challenging because it's like, um, yeah, obviously it's like a invisible injury. So nobody can, nobody knows what you're dealing with and it changes your whole personality in a way. You're just, you can't act the same because your head hurts and you feel foggy and you just want to sleep a lot and social interaction is like very taxing. So you're just not the same person. And it's maybe the cha most challenging part of that injury because you just have to just kind of explain to people like, I have a concussion. I can't hang out for that long. I'm sorry, I'm acting weird. Like this is just me healing right now. And it's like, it's way easier to just have a broken arm and a cast and just be like, it's gonna take this long then I'll be better. But um, yeah, yeah, the, the head injuries are not recommended. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I have not personally gone through that, but I stood by the side of a close friend who had a traumatic brain injury and I was in the hospital with him for 33 days when he had four brain surgeries and kind of also then lived with him afterwards and watched the interaction with others socially and because I was in the hospital that entire time I kind of had a bit more understanding of what he was going through and I had all those relationships with the neurologists and the doctors and the nurses and everything and like the interactions amongst other friends were so heartbreaking to watch happen and like I don't know yeah so much empathy for that I'm proud of you for staying true and coming back that's a journey thank you yeah um and i'm sorry for your friend so he came back 100 percent learned a double flip afterwards it was mind-blowing yeah <laughs> wow that's really that's inspirational but a total miracle yeah you just don't know with head injuries yeah you really Do you, don't. yeah yeah, so coming back from that, so you took the whole season after that to heal and recover and everything, and then dove into this job this past, or no, this summer. So you had a you had kind of like a summer and some time to come back, hey? Yeah, I, um, I took the summer off firefighting. I went to Costa Rica for 10 days um, in May when I was feeling like a lot better. 
and then um, just had a really chill, fun summer of just hanging out with my friends in Revelstoke, and I worked a little bit on the trail crew. Um, and yeah, I just I just took it real easy and didn't yeah. make my nervous system really really angry by fighting fire again. So. Yeah. Do you have any pieces of advice or things that helped you along the way for people that are coming back from injuries as well? Um, I would say just don't give yourself a time frame for being back. I could think that like putting like a few weeks on it and being like, I'm going to be good for this date is just like really challenging. If you're not, it's such a letdown. Um, so it, it, it takes as long as it takes to get back and um, it, I think it impedes the healing process to, to put a deadline on it. it, stresses you out, which is not what you need when you're healing, you just need to relax. And um, I also took like a big step back, like step away from um, skiing and everything. I like deleted Instagram and just like did not look at anything that was going on. And I think that's also pretty important because it's, it's hard to just be sitting at home injured and like looking at Instagram at everybody's clips. Like it's not healthy. You have to just like get rid of it and just focus on yourself. Um, yeah. Yeah. Solid advice there. And I can appreciate that. It's interesting because sometimes like if I'm injured or sick or something, I'll look and I'll be like, no, I'm bigger than that. I can like cheer everyone on. And then you're like, but then you just get sad. The FOMO is real. <laughs> yeah. 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 And that was the thing too, is like after, right after I got injured, I was in just this, like, I don't know if it was my brain, like, um, doing something to protect itself, but I like was convinced I wasn't that concussed when I was clearly very concussed. And <laughs> the other thing I did was, uh, I was like, get out there, Tanya and Emily, like, go, 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 like, go send it. Like, even when they were like still on this filming trip, um, I was like, just totally dedicated to the project at that point, like beyond what it should have been. And I should have just, they wanted like to come with me and be like, we're done filming now because you got super injured and we can't ski anymore. But I was like adamant that they went and tried again, which was like really crazy <laughs> when you look back at it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was adamant that they kept trying and like they, they, tried but they were pretty fucked up from it too because they just saw me get super hurt and that just messed with their psyches as well so um yeah 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 it's interesting how you spoke a little bit about like you got this opportunity the pitch worked you were funded and then it added this layer of pressure that wasn't necessarily put on you from your sponsors or maybe it was I don't know I'm totally making an assumption but when you go out and you try to ski under those terms and not your own, it really changes the way that you approach, yeah, the mountains. And that I think more often than not is less healthy. Yeah, I, I think at the time for sure I was, I don't think my sponsors really put that pressure on me. I think that was just, that was all me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was all I me. Think it Totally. I think it generally is us. And I always, that's like what I always try to remember going into a season. I'm like the pressure that you feel you put on yourself. Like if you can alleviate that pressure and just have fun. And like you said, have a really solid mental state. It like, oh, it feels so good. 
and refreshing and you perform way better. Yeah, absolutely. It's so important. How did this past season go for you? It was, it was really hard in, in all sorts of ways. Um, I felt like I was a little bit behind in, in my scheme. Like Tony and Emily had like a super incredible um, season. They like crushed a bunch of pillow lines and like they just got like all the bit more experienced in the mountains and on lines. And coming back into the season, I, I felt like I was kind of missing that um, year of experience a little bit. So that was definitely a little bit challenging to deal with. Um, feeling like the weakest link a little bit. And um, I was also just incredibly scared of everything as well. I just really like did not want to hit my head on my face like ever again. And um, just trying my best to like avoid flat landings and um, being scared of things that probably weren't were going to work out fine. But just that I said no to because I just didn't feel 100% about it. Um, and then it was definitely difficult because it was like gone from like being injured and chilling really hard to like this full on winter of like filming for pretty much the most part of it and like not a ton of free skiing and just filming and working super hard. Um, so that was also difficult as well. Um, and by the end of this winter, I was feeling pretty damn burnt out, but <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah. It's it's nice that it all like all the hard hard work kind of came together in a super nice way, and um, yeah, I'm I'm super excited with how it all turned out, but it was definitely difficult. Yeah, thank you so much for being open and honest about that. Yeah, that's such a process. It takes so much time and like mental energy and yeah rebuilding the confidence and I don't know if there's a way to go about it other than what you said like not setting expectations for yourself and taking baby steps and and having that grace with yourself to not be judgmental and to be like and put my best foot forward but if I'm not feeling it I'm backing off and that's like one of the more challenging things as an athlete so that's yeah props for props for saying no and stepping down and like yeah I don't know taking your time yeah thank you it, yeah and I uh, yeah you just have to you can't I couldn't go like do that again to myself like I could I couldn't imagine getting like injured like that so nothing nothing was worth it if I didn't feel it 100% it was not worth it for me and I just like put my foot down like no that landing looks like crap I'm not gonna hit it and it was yeah it, that is the hardest part about doing it because like you know the filmers they're supportive like they're like for sure but there's definitely like always just a little bit of energy of like come on just just hit it like whatever <laughs> totally yeah yeah i always say like if you are filming or taking a photo of something that's a red flag like aside from the other red flags that we talk about in avalanche awareness like if you have a camera out there or there is yeah you're doing it for someone else all of a sudden there's a there's an essence of that um and i think no matter how conscious we are of that fact like subconsciously like i know i have so much kodak courage it's ridiculous like the way that i jump into lake tahoe when it's cold out is i have someone count me down three two one because if i hear three two one i'm gonna go no matter what <laughs> it's so ingrained in me <laughs> in your brain 
Yeah, totally. So you... <laughs> yeah. Man, that is such a process, though. It's like, it takes so much time. And yeah, like I said, just grace with yourself. I think that's powerful, though. And I think that's super helpful to share with people because I've been through a lot of injuries. And I didn't, I don't, sometimes you just feel like you're blindly going about it. And it is very isolating. I know for me, so many of my social interactions are in the mountains doing something that I love. And then when you don't have that with your friends, you're like, are we still friends? Do I have friends? <laughs> yeah yeah for sure and now you're working at ck9 and the movie's done and man that must feel so accomplishing it does feel great (laughs) it was uh it was a crazy two years to get making a film is making a film in action sports is so wild it's like there's so much that goes into it and um especially like a a one-off feature like there's like a 50% injury rate for <laughs> for a one-off film for anybody, I think. It's, yeah, it's scary. There's a lot of pressure and um, yeah, it feels amazing to just have it all done and um, gonna see it on the big screen soon. And yeah, sometimes it makes me emotional to watch it for sure, because mm. just so much that went into it, so yeah. I read that it dives a little bit deeper into who you are all as individuals in, in your personal life. Um, yeah, it does a little bit um, into our summers and um, just a little like tidbits of stories like um, Emily's uh, family owns like Troll Resort, just this like adorable mom and pop resort out in northern BC. And I feel like a lot of people don't know that about her. And um, she's also a helicopter pilot, which is crazy. I think it's really cool. My friend's a pilot. (laughs) Totally. (laughs) And then Tanya's been doing, like, she just got into her, like, master's degree. So, like, on top of, like, um, us filming and, like, doing all this crazy shit the last couple years with MSP, she's also been, like, waking up at, like, 3 in the morning to write, like, an exam through online school via Norway, which is like a different time zone. So that's wild. Um, Oh my gosh, yeah. So we all just have like, just some different things going on besides skiing, so yeah. Do you all still live together? No, um, Emily and Tanya still live together in Squamish. And Tanya's in um, Europe right now. So it's just Emily in Squamish and then I'm in Nelson. and I don't think we we should all live together again. I think it's too much. <laughs> well, once you start like embarking on these huge projects together and living together, it's a lot. Yeah. It is a lot. And it's kind of more fun if it's like your really best friend and not your roommate. So then you have that separation that I think is pretty important. And I just would feel bad for anybody living with us too. Because we, <laughs> we're just a lot of times all together, so. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> Did I skip over anything that's imp- imperative? Uh, I don't think so. I think we, yeah, covered it. <laughs> if there is one piece of advice that you could give your younger self entering into this space, what would it have been? Um, it's hmm, a great question. I think that would be just like, just to have trusted myself 
a lot more and trusted my instincts and like spoke up um, when I thought I should have about something. Um, yeah, because I think in the in the in the past there was a lot of times where um, you know there'd be some sort of situation and then it would all transpire and then after the fact I was like oh, I was really thinking I should have done this and you know that would have been the right thing to do. Um, so yeah, if I could go back, I would be like, trust your gut. You are right. You got this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Such an important aspect of, I mean, it's still quite a male dominated sport, but finding your voice and growing and, and I always relate things to avalanche scenarios and like being the leader on an avalanche scenario is so applicable or a teammate in a scenario to find your friend it's everything is like communication and how you communicate and how you receive that and staying focused and it's also applicable to life and i think one of the biggest aspects of my life and in avalanche scenarios that i've been in in the past is finding my voice and knowing when to use it and how to use it and i think that yeah, I don't know. That goes so far. So that's a good piece. Yeah, it's it's really hard to know when to trust that voice, but <laughs> it's imperative to find out, I would say. Yeah, I always like taking my time with it. Like if I don't have the answer in the moment or I feel like I need to speak up in the moment, but I'm not sure, kind of like thinking about that for a long time and like you said, like meditating with it or just like having some clarity on it not in the moment um and coming back to it and speaking up has been really helpful for me yeah just to think about it and then to to reiterate it later like in like a debrief would you say situation or how would you like apply that to like a in the moment scenario that's what i always struggle with like a, in the moment of it just to know exactly what the right path is and to action on it yeah, well, I guess there could be many different scenarios, but for example, with like friends or colleagues, when I have like, there might be something happening where there's like a little bit of tension that like builds and builds over time. And like, I find for myself that there can be a breaking point where like, if I spoke out in that moment, it wouldn't come out in the way that I wanted it to. Um, and so like really kind of sitting with that and letting it subside until I feel really calm and in a better place to think about it has always like, helped me a ton and sometimes that can take weeks um in the moment I think that just being conscious and thoughtful and aware of everyone's situation is super important because we all come at this from such different places like just using me for an example this past year I've been like dealing with some health issues with my dad and so like I wasn't as present as I could have been maybe in directing this film that I was a part of this year. Like I tried my very, very best. In some ways it provided the opportunity to like let things roll off my back, like water off a duck's back and not get to me. But in other scenarios, I was like, I need to be showing up better. Um, but yeah, kind of understanding and being aware of where people are at too. Cause I think just in general, the world needs more kindness and more empathy. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that thought and that moment to kind of like think about things a little bit further is super helpful. And man, the old school, just like write it down in your journal, like raid writing is a thing. If you're frustrated, just get it out on paper. It's so helpful. Finding ways to like disperse the energy that's within you is amazing. Yeah, it's, a, it's, it's such a process. Hey, just all the like mental aspects of skiing and 
just how they like apply to your life and how to move forward with that it's yeah it's been it's been a fun journey <laughs> but yeah I will say like uh, touching on the like male dominated space um have you seen this year's MSB movie yet no it is sick you're gonna love it it's like oh yeah it's really exciting and like me and like um you know Kate's all up here on the trip and like McKenna we were talking about this and then we actually got to hang out with Angel as well so we mentioned this to her as well but it was it was such a big win for the girls but like so like subtle in a way because it it had like the opener was like Hedvig and Kate like killing it in Alaska and then it just like worked its way through a bunch of different trips like Idaho and all this stuff and then the closer was the guys but like it was just so equal for like male and female skiing and nobody said anything about it and nobody was like the girls are out here it was just like skiers skiing happened to be female and like then the guys crushing it at the end and like everybody crushed and it was super equal and really strong like female presence and really strong male presence all in one and it was it was sick it was a huge win i think for, <laughs> for everybody. i love that yeah that's incredible because uh, i think all in was the first equal parts male and female but it was definitely like it was a statement at that time to do that but now it's happening naturally and and yeah, I think Matchstick has, has made a huge effort now to include a lot of really epic athletes that are on both ends of the spectrum, but specifically the women are showing up and doing such an incredible job. It's so sick. Yeah, it's super exciting. And I also kind of like to think that maybe they didn't make a huge effort. Maybe they were just like calling up the skiers because they were like, you guys are sick. Like, come out to Alaska, <laughs> you know? Yeah, you know, yeah. It's all- all natural and ingrained now too which is which is incredible and like i feel like what what we've all been um wanting for a lot of years so i feel like we're there totally couldn't agree more and the ripple effect like there's so many other female crews that are on the come up that are producing their own edits and like i don't know coming up with different things and ideas it's really inspiring i'm loving it it's super inspiring and i feel like we're kind of peeling away from the narrative a bit that's just like I am a female and hear me roar. It's just like, I am a skier and like, here I am. Like, just, just go do it. Like, (laughs) yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah. So I feel like that's, that's exciting. And yeah, it's sick to see, sick to see where everything's going. Just love it. Totally. We're getting there. I think there's still some things that we need to work on, but we're getting there. Yeah. And it's beautiful. It is. It's so nice. All right, let's celebrate that and wrap this thing up, hey? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much. It was an honor to chat with you and get to know you more and, yeah, have this conversation. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I hope I didn't lab off too hard and (laughs) step all over my words, verbal diarrhea, but... (laughs) You nailed it. You're super well-spoken and you have the best energy, as I've mentioned time and time again. (laughs) I'm such a big fan and I'm also, like, I really want to catch up like maybe after this because I want to hear all about how your project went um, with our Arteryx and I'm just like I'm psyched to see that like I, I was so psyched to see everybody's work coming out this fall and yeah you're you've always been like just such a big hero of mine like you're like a production powerhouse and like you're killing it and um, yeah I just love everything that you produce and 
put your hands on. So thank you for having me on your podcast. (laughs) Thank you, Janelle. It means the world. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Janelle as much as I did while having it. I think it's so rad that she's taking some time to work with CK9 and developing a skill set that pertains to skiing but can also be used down the line. I appreciate her drive and her true passion for having fun in the mountains and I can't wait to see their new film titled How Did We Get Here with CK9. Check it out at a theater near you for the full in-person experience. It's so much better. And if not, watch it online because that's also great. On a personal note, thank you to all who reached out after the last episode about my dad. It means the world to me and I'm so fired up to have learned how to record these things online so I can keep bringing these conversations to life. I feel like it's just so freeing to be able to talk to people online now. (laughs) Even though I aim to do everything in person, this is, uh, yeah, opening up opportunity for new people to come on the show. Feel free to hit me up in my DMs to tell me who you want to hear on the show. I would love your input. And as this show airs, I'll be landing in New York City for the world premiere of our new film called Continuum in partnership with Arcteryx. We'll be showing it in Brooklyn at zero space from the 19th to the 22nd, and I would love to see you there. Over and out. Until next time, peace.